Everything comes to an end. Everything in this life, good or bad, comes to an end. The good things and the bad things, the things that, that we wish would, would never come to an end, like our vacations. For some of our seniors who are celebrating in our parking lot service this morning, they probably didn't wish that their high school career would come to an end in the way that it did. Sadly, these good things in our life, they, they all come to an end. The bad things in our life, they come to an end as well. Things that, things that they wish they would, that we wish would end even sooner. Things like our long work days, this, this season where we're not able to attend church in person. And maybe for some of you, this sermon, maybe you're looking forward to the end of this message. All of these things come to an end. Now, me as an individual, I have, I have an incredibly difficult time dealing with things as they end. For, for example, I remember when I was younger, when, when Netflix first came out, when Netflix first became a thing. And now, this was, this was a major technological advancement for me because in the past, I had to stream television shows illegally if I wanted to binge watch something. But now with Netflix, for a small monthly fee, I could watch as much of my favorite television shows as I wanted to. And it just so happened that my favorite TV show from when I was a kid was on Netflix. My favorite TV show when I was a kid is a show called Psych. I'm not sure if many of you are familiar with it, but uh, it's a show where there's, where's, where there's a main character named Sean, and uh, he's, he's like a fake psychic who's actually just super observant, who works with the police department to help solve crimes. Great, it's a great show. You should check it out if you've never seen it. Watch all the episodes. And I, and I loved this show so much that I made my parents buy me a Netflix subscription for the summer. And over that summer, I watched every single episode of Psych, except for one. I watched every single episode of this entire show, except for one single episode that I just, I could not bring myself to watch. I couldn't bring myself to watch the last episode of this show, because like I said, I am terrible when it comes to dealing with things coming to an end. I couldn't, I couldn't handle the fact that the story would then be over. I, I couldn't handle the fact that, that then there would be no more psych for me to watch. This is, this is just a picture of how bad it is for me. I, I actually own Psych the Musical, which was produced long after the show went off the air, but I still, to this day, have yet to see the final episode of that show. Now, why, why is it that endings are so difficult for us? Why is it that when things come to an end, it is challenging for us as human beings? I think, that, I think that I'm not alone here. I think that there are probably many of us who, when things come to an end, we find it incredibly difficult. We find it incredibly challenging. So why is it, as humans, why is it that, that we find dealing with these endings especially difficult? Well, I believe, I believe there's two reasons. I believe that it's because when we come to an ending, we find ourselves at a sort of crossroads. We find ourselves at a sort of crossroads where we, can, where we can look back at all that has happened in the past and we wonder if where, where we are now, if what has led up to this ending has actually been meaningful. On the other side of that crossroads, we, we look ahead to the future. As things come to an end, we look ahead to the future and we, and we wonder whether or not we'll be able to control what comes next. We wonder whether we'll be able to control how the future is going to look. And what we see from the text of the book Ecclesiastes is that, that the author Solomon 
is at this exact crossroads. In chapters 8 and 9 of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon finds himself at this exact kind of crossroads where he's looking at the fact that all things in life, they come to an end. And as he looks back at his life, he wonders if it's actually been meaningful or not. As he looks ahead to his future, he wonders if somehow he can control the shape of that future, if he can can influence what it is going to look like. And as as we look at this text from the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to see what Solomon does at this crossroads. At this crossroads, he comes to a conclusion. This is, this is the conclusion that he comes to. As he manages this tension, this is what Solomon has to say. Go and eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. Always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. What I believe that, that we've just read here is what I would call the heart of this text. It's the heart of this passage. It can be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. In this text, it actually finds itself as part of a larger unit within the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, 14, all the way to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 12. And in this section of the text, Solomon is explaining how life, it might be out of our control, how life, it might not be guaranteed, but we can still enjoy the things of this life. So as we, as we dig through this text to find some of the wisdom that Solomon has incorporated within it, what we're going to do is we're going to see one big idea. If we were to paraphrase maybe what Solomon is trying to explain here, we could put it, we could put it like this. Because nothing is guaranteed, because nothing is guaranteed, we should enjoy the gifts of this life before they are gone. Because nothing is guaranteed, we should enjoy the gifts of this life before they are gone. So Solomon, in in this passage, he sees that that everything comes to an end. Everything comes to a conclusion. The good, the bad, that, that that his bad days aren't guaranteed and neither are his worst days. That his future, it's not as secure as he might like to think. That his past, it's, it's not as meaningful as maybe he would have hoped. And as he comes to this realization, all of these different endings in his life, he realizes there's nothing that's guaranteed. These endings, they show us as well. There is nothing that is guaranteed. Because everything in life comes to an end, we see nothing can be guaranteed. But there's a problem with that realization. The problem is that deep in our hearts, we know that's not the way things have to be. Deep in our hearts, we know that 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 is not the way things are intended to be. We know things should not be this way. Our hearts, they look for something that's meaningful. Our hearts, they look for something that is, that is eternal, something that is guaranteed, something they can, they can hold on to that will last. We find, we find our souls unsatisfied in those moments. This is exactly what Solomon is struggling with in this passage. As he reaches this crossroads, he sees not many things are guaranteed. And the things that, that do happen to be guaranteed, they're things we wish they, they probably weren't. Things like injustice and death, things like time and chance, the unpredictability of life, things we wish weren't 
guaranteed, things we wish weren't the case. So what does Solomon do? Well, Solomon, like we said, he comes to this conclusion. Comes to this conclusion, and this conclusion he points us to the one who is guaranteed. His conclusion is that because nothing is guaranteed, we should enjoy the gifts of this life before they are gone. So how does Solomon come to this conclusion? How are we able to reach that conclusion as well? Well, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a look at this entire section, this entire segment of the book of Ecclesiastes to find out how we too can find enjoyment in our lives. So first we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14, all the way to chapter 9, verse 1. Like we, like we mentioned above, in this passage, Solomon says nothing is guaranteed. But then he follows that up with a few things that are guaranteed. For example, in these verses, Solomon says that injustice is one of those things that is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed, but injustice is guaranteed. So let's, let's take a look. Verse 14. There is something else meaningless that occurs on the earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve. The wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. Verse 16, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on the earth, people getting no sleep day or night, Then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all of their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise they claim to know, they do not comprehend it. So I reflected on all of this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are all in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. The teacher here comes to this conclusion that life is simply out of his control. Life is not in his hands. Life's out of his control, but it is precisely that fact that gives him hope. Because at the moment when he realizes life's not in his hands, at the moment when he realizes that life is out of his control, he realizes that life's under God's control, that life rests in the palm of God's hand teacher realizes that injustice, grave injustice, exists throughout the world. Good people, they get what bad people deserve. Bad people get what good people deserve. And it doesn't quite make sense. And the problem is there's nothing he can do to control it. He can't control the outcomes of his life. He can't simply just figure it out. He sees the same thing is true of God. He can't figure out, he can't understand God's ways. So much higher than him, so far above him, he can't understand what God does under the sun. He says that no one can understand. I love what Solomon says, despite all of our efforts to search out meaning, the meaning of what goes on under the sun, no one can comprehend it. And even if they say that they do, even if they claim that they know, they don't really comprehend it. Now, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who handles not being able to comprehend something very well. Because like when I was in school, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I wasn't, and even now, I'm, I'm not an extremely athletic individual. But I was pretty good at figuring stuff out. I was pretty good at comprehending different concepts. That made me, that made me decent when it came to getting grades or good grades in school. 
And just, just to give you a picture of sort of my high school career, I didn't get a varsity letter for any sports that I played, but I got a varsity letter for academics. And I, don't, I honestly don't even know what that means. I got a varsity letter for academics. I think that means that I was pretty good at comprehending stuff, that I was pretty good at figuring stuff out. And when I got married, I took that same kind of attitude into my marriage. I, I, thought, that, I thought that, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this marriage thing out. Like, I'm, I'm going to understand everything about marriage. So I got all the books. I, 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 want, I wanted to take all the notes. I wanted to, I wanted to get all the tips, all the tricks, memorize all the ways to figure marriage out. And to my dismay, I found that it's not exactly that simple. That the marriage doesn't quite work in that manner. The, the marriage is actually much more, much more complex than that. Marriage is actually much more mysterious than that. And that's part of the reason that the, that the relationship in a marriage is so beautiful. Because it's two different people who are trying to figure out their differences together for the good. And what Solomon says here in this text is that our relationship with God, that it functions much the same. See, I approached this marriage relationship and I thought, I mean, I'm going to tear this thing down. I'm going to study all the books. I'm going I'm to get all the notes. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to manipulate it in a certain way so that it serves my purposes. And what Solomon says is that, no, that's not how these kinds of relationships work, especially not our relationship with God. We can't, we can't somehow manipulate our relationship with God so that the outcome works in our favor, so that somehow God serves our purpose is, no, that's, that's completely reversed. In fact, what we, what we should do is we should, we should serve God and understand that we serve His purposes, not that He serves our purposes. We can't, we can't somehow figure out our life to a point where God serves us. We can't somehow manipulate that relationship or, or control those outcomes so that we get what we want. We, we might not be able to figure our life out, but we can rest easy. We can enjoy life just like Solomon says because God's already got it figured out. We can enjoy life in the exact way that Solomon says because God has it figured out. And the teacher, he takes great comfort in this fact. He finds himself humbled because he does not know what comes next because life is out of his control. But he also takes heart at the fact that life is under God's control. He takes hope because life is out of his control, but it, it is precisely that fact that shows him life is under God's control. And when we remember those things, remember that life isn't under our control, but that it is under God's, then we can have the attitude that says, it doesn't matter if nothing is guaranteed. It doesn't matter if nothing lasts because we can enjoy the good things that come our way in this life before they are gone. Now here in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 2 through 10, the next sort of section in this text, Solomon, he says, first, injustice is guaranteed. Now here in 2 through 10, what else is guaranteed? What else is guaranteed? Well, death is guaranteed. We're off to, we're off to a hot start here. Injustice and death can't wait to get to the next guarantee. Nothing is guaranteed, but death is guaranteed. Verse 2 says that all of us, we share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean, the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so it is with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so it is with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil 
in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes us all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil. And there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again. They have a part in anything that happens under the sun. And now here in verse 7, we reach the heart of this text where Solomon explains still yet how we can find enjoyment in this life. Go and eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. Always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All of your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. In these verses, the teacher, he tackles another difficult topic. He tackles the topic of death. It's just one more thing that's guaranteed that we honestly probably wish wasn't a guarantee. Something that's difficult for us to deal with. An ending that has this incredible sense of finality. This incredible sense of permanence. Solomon says, death is our common destiny. I'm not sure if we've come across a more quotable or a more chilling line from the book of Ecclesiastes, death is our common destiny. Now death, it's guaranteed, just like the endings that we've mentioned above. And because death is, is like these other endings, it means that the, these endings, they all have this thing in common where, where they, they strike fear into our hearts. Why is it that endings, they terrify us in this way? Well, I believe it's because they confirm our fears. They confirm our fear that we are not in control, that we lack control. And when I think of a group of people who have experienced this lack of control in probably a more profound way than any other group of people in the recent, in the recent weeks, I think, of our, I think of our high school seniors who are, who are graduating. I can't think of a group of people who have experienced more of a lack of control than our high school seniors who are graduating this year. Just, just think, about, think about their experience with me for a moment. The the whole process of ending their senior year, it's out of their control. The process of going through all these rites of passage that a graduate normally goes through, it's it's out of their control. Prom, project graduation, an actual graduation ceremony, out of their control. Graduation parties, out of their control. So as they look back at all of the things that maybe they should have experienced, they wonder, where is that meaning? Where is all of that value? And as they look forward to the future, some of, some of our students are faced with $40,000 a year to sit for a semester of Zoom calls. I, I don't know a college student who would be excited about that prospect. College students, or our high school students who are getting ready to be college students, they're experiencing this extreme lack of control. That's exactly what death reminds us is true. That all of us lack this kind of control. None of us have a complete say of how our future looks. None of us have control over how we've gotten to where we are. None of us have control. We can't reshape the past. We can't can't make the future look the way we would like to, but we do know that God is in control. 
Death reminds us nothing is under our control. It reminds us that nothing is guaranteed, but it also reminds us we serve the one who is guaranteed. We serve the one who is in control. And here at the heart of this text, we see once again Solomon's reminder. Because we know who's in control, it doesn't matter if nothing is guaranteed. It matters, and we know the one who's in control. It means that we can enjoy the good things of this life before they are gone. It means we should make the most of this time that we have even though the end might feel as if it's imminent. I think that there's no more of a, of a timelier place for this word in this season. Make the most of the time that we have. Many of us, we're faced with more time on our hands than we've ever had in our entire life. I talked to my dad on the phone the other day, and he said he's never had a vacation that lasted this long. We have more time on our hands at this point in our life than at any other. So how are we going to make the most of it? More time with our family, more time with our kids, more time with Jesus, hopefully. When we look back at this season, are we going to look back with regret in our hearts about how we wasted the time that we had? Or are we going to look back and realize that we made the most of the time that we've been given? Are we going to look back and realize that we enjoyed the good things that came our way, even though we know that someday they will be gone? So finally, here in verses 11 and 12, the author, Solomon, he brings this discussion of endings and, and how nothing is guaranteed. He brings it to a close. Verses, the verses before, we've seen that injustice is guaranteed. We've seen that death is guaranteed. Finally, here in verses 11 and 12, we see also that time and chance are guaranteed. The fact that time trudges on and on and on into the future and the fact that, that some elements of life are just completely unpredictable it's the final realization that Solomon comes to. Nothing is guaranteed, but time and chance are guaranteed. Listen to verse 11. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come as fish are caught within a cruel net or birds are taken into a snare so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. The teacher here comes to one final realization. Realization that no one escapes the ravages of time. The realization that all of us suffer from an unpredictable life. We all suffer from the ravages of of time. There's nothing we can do to escape those realities. He says that there are simply some things in our life that are, that are unpredictable. That's what he means when he, when he refers to chance. That we can't predict everything that will come next. And, and most of the time, those things that we can't predict, they don't exactly work in our favor. Those unpredictable things, sometimes they actually work against our favor. But, but the other day, I was, I, was, I was the recipient of one of those pleasant surprises. Where, where, where not very often things surprise you and happen to just work in your favor. I was, at, I was at the old Home Depot. I was picking up some supplies for our Mother's Day backdrop and for some new stage platforms that we'd been working on. And I had to, I had to get some lumber, some 2x4s, some 4x4s, and some plywood. And, and I thought that I was going to get all these materials and I was going to put them on my car or in my car. And I was going to, and I was going to get them back to the church. Now, if you're watching this online and you don't know what kind of vehicle I drive, it's probably not as humorous as it should be because I drive a Chevy Malibu. It's a, it's a 2014 Chevy Malibu. That's a, that's a pretty small vehicle. And I decided to, to, try to, to try to haul like a couple hundred pounds of lumber in this vehicle. And that, that, just, that just didn't, it didn't, it wasn't working very well. 
And uh, in this, this Chevy Malibu that I drive, it is, it is champagne colored. It's a very important detail. I include that detail because uh, I picked out that color, champagne. It's not silver and it's not gold. Uh, it's, it's champagne, which is a very masculine color. So I'm in Home Depot getting way too much lumber for my way too small car that does not fit a manly description of a person whatsoever. And I finally realized because of the wisdom of my beautiful wife that there is no way these hundreds of pounds of lumber are going home in my car. There, there's no way we're going to be able to get this stuff back to the church. It's just, it's impossible. I even, at this point, I had even gotten like a, like a box of ratchet straps so that I could tie everything down to the, to the roof of my car and hopefully keep it on the roof as we're, as we're heading down the highway to the church. It just, it was, it was not going good. The situation was headed south very quickly. And, and my wife, in her, in her imminent wisdom, suggested that I call one of my friends, one of my friends, Eric Seymour, who has a truck. And lives pretty close to the church. So, so I, I get on my phone and I, and I, dial, and I dial my friend Eric's number. And, and lo and behold, as, as soon as the phone starts to ring, my friend Eric Seymour begins walking up this aisle at Home Depot. You, you, could not, you could not have created a more unpredictable scenario than this right here. I, I had no idea that he was at Home Depot. The, just think about the, the odds of him being at Home Depot in the same place at the same time as me exactly when I was getting ready to call him. There's no way this was predictable. It was completely unpredictable, but it worked completely in my favor. And I, and I would say that I have never been that excited to see somebody coming down an aisle at Home Depot. It was, it, was, it was an incredible moment that could not have been predicted. Completely unpredictable, but it works completely in my favor. But far too often, those aren't the moments that are the case. Far too often, it's not the case that those unpredictable moments work out in our favor. Far too often, they actually work against our favor, far too often those unpredictable moments end up being moments that shake our faith to its very core. What happens when something unpredictable hits our life and it shakes the very core of what we believe? Well, Solomon, to answer that question, he says that we can still enjoy life. We can still enjoy the good things that come our way despite the fact that time and unpredictability will eventually steal many of those things from us. But in the meantime, he says, we can enjoy the good things that we have. Why? Because we know who is in control. It's what he's been saying all along through the book of Ecclesiastes. We know who is outside of time. We know who is ordering all of these seemingly random and unconnected events and working them together for our good. We know that even though nothing is guaranteed, we can enjoy the good things that we have before they are gone. Remember with me the problem that we identified as we began this discussion. The problem we identified is that we recognize that none of this has to be this way. That the world is not supposed to work in this manner where there are no guarantees, where everything is out of control. We know that there's something wrong with the way the world works. And Solomon, he even says as much in verse 3. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. We see that there's something wrong in our world. We know that it is because of sin that injustice is the guarantee. We know that it's because of sin that death is the guarantee. We know that it's because of sin that unpredictability in life is guaranteed. And in spite of all of these horrible guarantees, somehow Solomon reaches this conclusion that we can still enjoy our lives. 
before the good things in them are gone. And the only way he's able to reach this conclusion is because he recognizes who's in control. The only way he's able to reach this conclusion is because he recognizes who is guaranteed. He recognizes that it's God who is in control, that it is God who is guaranteed. And there is no place in Scripture where we see God's guarantee, where we see God's level of control exhibited than on the cross of Christ. For on the cross, Jesus suffered injustice so that we could be guaranteed justice. On the cross, Jesus suffered death so that we could be guaranteed life. On the cross, Jesus suffered the limits of time and space so that we could be guaranteed eternity. So now here's what I can guarantee. I can guarantee that unless we are grounded in Christ, that all of these horrible things Solomon guarantees, they will shake our faith to its very core. They will shake who we are to the very core of our being. I can guarantee that when we are faced with the fact that we are not in control, when we are faced with the fact that nothing in life is guaranteed, it will shake us unless rooted and grounded and established in Christ and in who He is. I can guarantee that if we are grounded in Christ, then we can confidently claim that even though nothing else might be guaranteed, we can enjoy the good things of this life before they are gone. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You are the one who is guaranteed. We thank You that we can count on You. Thank you that you are the one who is in control, that the text of the book of Ecclesiastes teaches us your level of control, the level to which you go to guarantee your goodness for us. And God, I pray that as we, as we walk through those unjust moments, those moments where we're faced with death, those moments where, where the limits of time and, and eternity are, are placed upon our lives, God, I pray that we would see that you're still in control, that you're the one who is guaranteed, and that we can still enjoy the good things of this life before they are gone precisely because we know you. Jesus, we thank you that you are our guarantee, and we're praying all of these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.